Welcome back into the Royals Farm Report podcast. My name is Joel Penfield, joined as always by Alex Duvall. How are you doing tonight? Joel, every single time that Bobby Witt Jr. starts a game for the Kansas City Royals in spring training, I get a little bit better. So uh, the high school baseball season gets opened up tomorrow. We're recording on Thursday night. So uh, tomorrow night we'll be coaching our first games of the season. Um, Bobby Wood Jr. is still getting uh, everyday re- or nearly everyday reps for the Royals out at second base or shortstop where they have him. Um, it's, hard to, it's hard to not be excited about baseball at the moment. Absolutely. And, you know, other than baseball, we have our first NCAA tournament in two years. And I forgot how much I loved March Madness. You know, and, and it's just it's just such a fun time of year. Spring, you know, baseball is getting in full swing. You're getting close to NHL NBA playoffs. It, you know, the crazy NFL free agency. But March Madness is just like an awesome, awesome time of year for sports. So these next two weeks are going to be incredibly fun. But let's you, – you mentioned it right off the rip. And I, I want to start there, and this is going to be a lot of the conversation that we have today, and it's about Bobby Wood Jr. And it's been really interesting to follow other teams and other prospects, you know, and, and you know, Wander Franco and Adley Rutschman, and, you know, you can go down the list of all, all the top guys. And a lot of guys at this point in the year, or at least in spring training, are getting sent down to minor league camp or they're you're not seeing them near as often in the starting lineup, which, you know, is to be expected. We see that more often than not year in, year out. But a lot of the guys that are, are top of the list, like Bobby Witt Jr., you know, Bobby Witt Jr. is still up there. He's still getting starting lineup. He's leading off spring training games at least three times a week, if not more. And, and you know, he's getting at least two to three at-bats a game when he comes in later, playing almost every day, playing second base shortstop, Playing, you know, hitting the crap out of the ball. And the thing is, he's playing well. It's not like they're just throwing him in there and throwing him to the fire, and he's he's struggling. He's playing really good baseball right now, and maybe he's a little further along than we thought. Uh, we, we talked about a couple weeks ago the, with Shane Summers that there's no chance that he, he plays in Kansas City this year. My tune is changing a little bit. I don't, where are you at with it? Yeah, I at this point, I don't know how – you know, tune hasn't completely done a 180. Like I, I have no idea where this came from, and and part of me is, is doesn't even really believe what we're seeing. Um, but I mean, I, I obviously early on there was there was no thoughts of him debuting this year, and then he came out, and I, I'm looking at it right now. He has more at bats than anyone on the team this spring. Like they are clearly taking a concerted look at him to make a really difficult decision about what to do with him. And even, even if we think he starts the year in the minors, which at this point is a toss-up, like I don't know how he doesn't debut this year. Like he would have to go to the minors. Like they would have to make the hard decision of, okay, we're going to send him down. We're going to send him to double A, see what happens. And then he would have to struggle mightily, which at this point I don't know what makes you think he's going to struggle. Like in 38 at-bats, he's got 10 strikeouts. I mean, his, his strikeout rate's under control. He went one for five today, but I don't think he struck out. I'm recount, recalling his at-bats. He popped up, grounded out, ground out, got a hit. I don't think he struck out today. Like, he's not walking a ton, but it's spring training. I mean, nobody really walks a ton in spring training. I don't know if Hanser Alberto is hurt. Do you do you know what his situation is? Because Hanser Alberto no. only has 13 at-bats to this point. Like, they're they're running Bobby Witt Jr. out there on a daily basis. And again, like 
Nicky Lopez doesn't have as many at-bats as he has, and he's not hitting the ball at all. He's hitting buck 25. Um, obviously, you know, his game isn't hit for a whole lot of power. But Nicky Lopez has 10 strikeouts and 24 at-bats in 11 games, and Bobby Wood Jr. has 10 strikeouts and 38 at-bats in 14 games. Like, at this point, Bobby Witt Jr. is very clearly their best option at second base. Now, that's partially because they don't really have any good options at second base other than Bobby Witt Jr., but, I mean, he is clearly their best option. So, man, I I don't even know, like, where to go with this because, like, it doesn't make a lot of sense. He probably shouldn't be, you know, getting ready to debut in the big leagues, but he might. And so the fact that we're sitting here talking about the chance of him starting in the major leagues, I don't even know how we can say that he wouldn't debut at some point this year. Things would have to be really, really bad, I would assume. It, it's really tough because it's so hard to take anything away for the most part from spring training at-bats or spring training innings. It's exhibition games for a reason. Guys are working on stuff. Not often are pitchers throwing their full arsenal. They're working on – certain pitches and certain counts and batters are, you know, they're just kind of swinging to get used to seeing spin on the ball again and get used, you know, just kind of getting back into it. So a lot of times you really can't take any stock in what spring training stats look like for, and this, I think, and that thought is more geared towards established big leaguers or guys that, you know, are perennial, you know, they're, you know, they're going to be on the 25 or 26 man roster. For minor league guys, I look at what are you doing, especially for top prospects, what are you doing when you're in the starting lineup facing big league pitching? Whether it's, you know, Shane Bieber or you're facing a a big league reliever of some kind. And Bobby Wood Jr. is doing a lot of his damage against big league pitching. Now, some of that could be because they're working on stuff and maybe he should, and he keyholes a fastball that, you know, they, they were going to throw in that count anyway. But it's hard not to ignore what he's doing in these games. And it's not just the offense. He's playing a really good shortstop and a really good second base, making diving plays and, you know, the simple stuff, you know, or they, you know, the difficult stuff looks simple. And I, do, I find it very interesting that – and whether – we there's validity to it or not. There are rumors that the clubhouse and guys on the, on the big league roster right now want Bobby Witt jr. On the opening day roster there, there's even been stuff put out there that I get that Mike Matheny's even said that he wants Bobby Witt jr. Service time be damned in the big leagues. And the Royals aren't a team to gain service time. They're not going to do what Kevin Mather talked about with the, the Mariners and Logan Gilbert and Jared Kelnick. Like, oh, yeah, the, well, you'll see them at the end of April, but not April 1st. Like, very clearly gaining service time for those guys. The Royals don't do that. And we, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago as well. So it's a very interesting spot for the Royals to be in. You have a guy that is clearly producing, but it's in spring training, but he's doing damage when he has his opportunities and has been the best, like you said, the best option at second base for the Royals. So is he really the guy right now with next to no minor league at bats and, you know, an entire summer spent at the alternate site? If he's your guy, man, the, this next year is about to get very, very interesting for the Royals. Yeah. And I think the, the one thing that would be different is if like, 
if the Royals came out and they said, yeah, you know, he's doing a really good job. Remember, he's young. Remember that, you know, that this is spring training and blah, blah, blah. Like, they're not even trying to fight it. Like, at this point, they are adding gas to the fire. And that doesn't sound to me like an organization that doesn't think he's ready. Like, I think we'd be able to tell. Like, if this was just, oh, it's spring training, you would think the Royals would be doing everything in their power to make sure fans remembered that so that they didn't get up in arms about Bobby Witt Jr. starting the year at AA. They're not doing that. They are doing literally the opposite of that, where they are – like, the Royals don't have any incentive to start him at the big league level if they don't want to. Like, they have every reason – to downplay this and they're not they are literally doing the opposite of that where they're kind of pumping him up a little bit where once the organization starts doing that and once the players start to vouch for a player also it is almost impossible to go back on it because now let's say that Bobby Witt Jr. is still hitting 290 with an 850 OPS at the end of spring training so got a couple weeks left but let's say he is You've spent all spring talking about how if he's the best guy, he'll start. The players are vouching for him. The coaches are vouching for him. The front office isn't shying away from it. And Nicky Lopez is still hitting a buck 25, and you still send Bobby Witt Jr. down. You have just totally spit on everything that you were talking about all spring. Like, that, they have no incentive to be doing this. So the only reason – that they would ever be doing this is if they mean it. And at this point, the only option we have is to assume that they mean it because if they didn't, they sure as hell wouldn't be talking like this because it is counterproductive. Like if, if they didn't mean this, they would be shooting themselves in the foot. It would make no sense to talk like this if they weren't totally serious, which I mean, ought to tell you everything you need to know about the reality that he really could start with this team on opening day. Yeah. And but you said it. The Royals have no reason to do this. And I go back and forth on it because obviously I want to see him in the majors because it'd be awesome to get – if he's ready right now, my goodness, you know, the Royals are set up for the next few years, you know, where that window is open very quickly. But at the same time, I go back and the, this is not me trying to advocate for the manipulation of service time or holding guys down on purpose, but the Royals – I still don't think, even with Bobby Wood Jr., are an 80-win team. I don't think they're competing for a wild-card spot this year. So what do the Royals gain long-term for bringing him up now and losing that year? And so then you, you, know, you started the clock already, and you know, they, they are what they are this year. And maybe, maybe they played the long game. And they bring them up this year, and next year they're really, you know, they're going to be, you know, in contention for that wild card spot like we talked about. And I'll look like an idiot, but right now I just I don't know what the Royals gain from bringing him up at this point and losing that year in a year where you're you're just not quite there yet. But I wonder how similar I wonder how similarly like Padres fans felt bringing up Fernando Tatis Jr. a couple years ago. Like the Padres weren't ready for to compete for a playoff spot when they brought him up in 19. And the Padres said, damn your service time. He is the, he's our shortstop and he's going to play. And then they obviously did what they did in 20 and he's, you know, the face of baseball at this point. So, you know, that may be comparing apples to oranges, but I think it's a similar scenario. So I, I'm curious where everything ends up. 
there's still a couple more weeks. A lot can change. He can go into a massive slump and they can go and then there's reason to maybe go, okay, he's not ready. So, but if he sustains what he's doing over the next two weeks, the Royals have no reason to not have number seven starting at second base. Yeah, and I think the – like when we, when we talk about the Royals in 2014 and 2015, you had Mondesi make his MLB debut with, uh, during the World Series. Bubba Starling just never could put it together after being drafted in – that was 2011. Um, and the Royals' biggest prospects, like Hunter Dozier, just wasn't quite ready in 2015. The Royals won those world, won those pennants, and they won that World Series with guys who were already established, and with guys that they brought in free agency. Like they had to trade for Cueto, they had to trade for Zobrist. They didn't. They probably could have called up Whit Merrifield, but they didn't. He wasn't quite ready yet. None of the guys that made an impact on that team, off memory, were guys they brought up that year. So I say that to say this: that. If they think that the window opens next year or if they think the window opens in 2023, it would behoove them to have Bobby Wood Jr. be a part of the lineup now so that he has the experience and can be the two-hole, three-hole hitter for the team when it matters and not be a rookie next year when they're trying to win a lot. Andrew Benintendi's last year is next year. or That's currently the last year he's on contract is next year not have Bobby Wood Jr.'s first year be Ben and Cindy's last year, and you're just continually and, and cyclically kind of missing windows where if they bring him up this year, maybe he only hits 230, but he hits some home runs, he steals some bases, he plays good defense. And we look back at 2021 and go, man, they really missed an opportunity. They could have sent him down, game service time. The Royals weren't that good anyway. And the next year, Bobby Wood Jr. is really good. The team's really good. And we go, oh, okay where your other option is you send him down, team sucks anyway, and then next year you're ready to compete, but now Bobby Witt Jr. is finally getting his feet wet. So in terms of, like, windows and, and kind of like you were talking about, where maybe they're not ready this year, but if they're ready next year, like, I think it would benefit them to have Bobby Witt Jr.'s experience this year come at the big league level where he can jump right in as a, I don't want to say veteran, but a, you know, he'll still be 22 years old next year. He's young, but he'll, he'll at least have experience where he's been around it. He's, he's seen it, and now he can get, you know, more comfortable as, a year, as the year goes on in 2022 when they're trying to compete for a playoff spot. Yeah, I guess that's a, that's a fair point. I, never, I didn't really think about it that way, but it would – if he's ready, it would make sense because then he is established by, you know, next year or even, you know, really starting to click in 23 when – you have all of your pitchers up theoretically that you, you know, spend a lot of investment in first round picks with Lynch and Lacey and Coar and Singer that are all, you know, really into things then and Bobby Wood Jr. And you'll still have Ben Benintendi next year and we'll see what other positional prospects come up. But it, it puts the Royals in a very interesting spot to where, oh crap, like they might act this, you know, they might actually start winning a lot sooner than we thought, you know, without having a, a black hole in the lineup at second base, which has kind of been the thing the last couple of years. And that's not a knock on what Merrifield, he just moves around a lot. He hasn't been a, a main second baseman really since his first one or two years. He really he plays a lot more outfield now. He's the right fielder for this team. So it, it's a very, it's something I definitely did not expect a couple of weeks ago that, you know, oh, it's great that Bobby's still, you know, he's Bobby Baseball still still up. He's still, you know, doing his thing. Hey, that's awesome to see. 
But then you watch prospects from other organizations start to go down. Wander Franco is starting to go, is been, you know, going down to the alternate site and all these other, you know, Adley Rushman and others. And Bobby Wood Jr. is still there, still, still raking, still hitting moonshots, still making, you know, gold glove caliber plays at second base. And it puts the Royals in an interesting position, but I'm not, it's not upsetting whatsoever because the Royals haven't had too many positional players with his kind of pedigree or, you know, where they have a first round investment in pan out as early as he has. And that's kind of what we're seeing at this point. Yeah. And it, it kind of takes me back when you, when you talk about all these other guys getting sent down, like, I don't think that that is a, like, there's, there's two ways you could look at that one Bobby Wood Jr. is still around, which kind of shows that he's head and shoulders above a lot of these other guys. Mm-hmm. Or two, that these other organizations are playing it smart, playing it safe, and the Royals are out here gambling and risking it all for no reason. I think it's more of the former where – and Drake, when Drake listens to this, he, he knows I love him, but I love to give him crap because Drake, even before this year, who, by the way, Drake has kind of become our go-to – um, in terms of prep scouting for the MLB draft. So Drake is, I mean, he's even kind of our guy when it, as, as it relates to prep players in the MLB draft. But even heading into this year, he had Daniel Lynch ranked ahead of Bobby Witt Jr. on our organizational rankings, which I give him crap about that all the time in the group chat. But A, that speaks a little bit to what Drake thinks of Daniel Lynch. But B, there really was a concern about Bobby Witt Jr.'s hit tool coming into this spring. And it's just it's so silly because I don't know where it comes from. It's literally prospect fatigue, in my opinion, where Bobby Witt Jr. was so good for so long that it's like you go back and you keep looking for things that could be a concern, and people just found one that they thought, like Fangraphs had his, um, his future value hit tool at like a 45. Like they don't think he'll ever hit for a high average. I think he's going to strike out a lot, where his hit tool might be like the best part of his game. Like – he, his hands and his barrel control and the, and the consistently good contact he makes. Like, there, there's a good article about Hit Tool, and I can't remember who wrote it to save my life. And, and before this runs, I'll try to find the link to that so I can make sure that I credit whoever wrote it. But basically arguing that if you take a guy like Nicky Lopez, and sure, he doesn't strike out a lot. He puts the ball in play, but he doesn't hit it hard. Like, the, the, the contact he's making is not quality contact. Like – having a guy like Bobby Witt Jr., who maybe he strikes out a little more than Lopez, but his contact is consistently better than the contact Lopez makes, like that is a better hit tool. It's not just about putting a bat on the ball. It's about putting a bat on the ball with some authority. Um, And in that sense, Bobby Witt Jr.'s hit tool is really, really good. Like I think it was Jim Bowden the other day said he's like the second best prospect in baseball. And that is much closer to the truth than where like, Drake and Keith Law, both. Keith Law had Daniel Lynch as the Royals' number one prospect. He had Bobby Witt Jr. barely in the top 30 in all of baseball, which is just silly. It is looking for things to nitpick. It is it is avoiding what I think is probably the truth of the matter with his hit tool is that he's going to make a lot of loud contact, and the kid is just really, really good. Um, you know, I, I made the comment the other day on Twitter that Juan Soto is really the only comparison that we have for a kid who – gets signed, he gets like 600 minor league plate appearances, and boom, he's making an impact in the big leagues. Now, Bobby Witt Jr. doesn't have those 600 plate appearances, but if there was a season last year, he would have gotten them in the minor leagues 
1,000%. He would have spent all year in the minor leagues last year, and then now he's knocking down the door of the big leagues. Bobby Witt Jr. and Juan Soto are very different types of players. Juan Soto was the next Barry Bonds, in my opinion, where Bobby Witt Jr. is more Trevor Story. But Trevor Story is a perennial all-star. Like, he is probably going to be an all-star this year and for the next 10 years because he is so good. He puts the bat on the ball, hits a lot of home runs, steals a lot of bases, and he's a gold glover at shortstop. Like, that would be a tremendous outcome for Bobby Witt Jr., and I think there's a chance he's even better. Um, So, I think the fact that he is still in camp, back to the original point, really just is a sign that he is so advanced for a 20-year-old kid with, like, literally less than 200 professional plate appearances. Um, I just think he's so special. And if the Royals choose to put him on this opening day roster, like, I don't I don't even really know how you could knock him at this point. Yeah, and, you know, if nothing else, with no minor league season last year, obviously it was tough. But he faced off, and he was at the alternate site for the entire season last year, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so, I mean, he, I mean to be fair – He's, he was facing essentially big league pitching at the alternate site with Coar and Lynch and Bubich and Singer and Lacey and whoever else. Like he's he's been fa- and even summer camp like he's facing big league pitching and they were putting him out there against these guys because they trusted and believed in him. So the the at bats might not show up on a baseball reference page for us to look at and know how he did, but what we're seeing right now, I think we have a pretty good idea how he was doing against those guys too. So. We have, an, we have a little bit of an indication of the trajectory that he's on. And if he's ready right now, shit, let's go. And it's going to be a fun year in Kansas City. It may not be all, you know, happiness and, you know, success and whatever. We're going to see him struggle. Baseball is a, a sport that will humble you very quickly. But it will make the 2021 season, season that much more intriguing for an already intriguing roster. And as we, we've talked about on this, this show before, that – this is a team that's going to be very interesting to follow and kind of in sneaky good. And you, now you add in Bobby Wood Jr., it gets that much more interesting. Yeah, and I, I, I just can't wait. Like, I, I was watching the game today, and I started to read kind of, you know, it's, it's easy to be more realistic when, a team, when your team is losing in the middle of a game. So, I was, you know, last time we talked, we were real hyped, and I really think that I can talk myself into seeing this team be 500. And then, you know, there are days like today where it's like, okay, I can see why the projections are more like 72, 73, which, you know, if on a bad day you're thinking 72 and on any given good day you're thinking 500, my original prediction was, um, I believe, yeah, 76 wins. I, I think my prediction is that they'll go 76 and 86. And that feels really, really strong, like a really good prediction. And, you know, having Bobby Witt Jr. on the lineup doesn't move the needle a lot for me, even though I think maybe it should. Um, But 77 wins, I would rather – like, personally, I would rather see Bobby Witt Jr. in this lineup from day one. I would rather see him hit 230 in the big league, as long as he's not striking out a ton. Like, if he's hitting 230 and he's striking out 35% of the time, well, that's a little different. But if he's hitting 230 and striking out, like, 28% 28% of the time, I would rather see that and the team win 77, 78 games this year than to see him start in the minors. He rakes at double A, rakes at triple A, and then they bring him up at the end of the year and the team wins 74, 73 games. So um, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm leaning, hoping they put him on the opening day lineup just because, I mean, hopefully it sends a message to the rest of the organization. Like, oh, yeah. hey, 
it's time to go. Like it is, it is time to go. And if you can't get your job done, we will go find someone else who can. And that's not necessarily a jab at Nicky Lopez specifically, just he just happens to play the same position. I just mean more generally, like the time is now. We believe we're supposed to be good right now. And everybody's on notice. If you do not get the job done, we will find someone else who can because we want to win right now. Yeah, and I, I agree with you there. Now, before we, we end this discussion here, I do think we need to temper the expectations of fans just a little bit because when you start throwing around the – I mean, Jim Callis is – I mean, he has, he has him as like the top shortstop prep prospect since A-Rod, which is absurd to begin with. But people talk about are beginning to already talk about him in the same breath as like Patrick Mahomes and George Brett and so other like Alex Gordon got that comparison coming out, which was incredibly unfair. And that just you know that and then he struggle, and then the confidence goes and blah 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 blah. Like I think those I think we do need to temper expectations a little bit. He's still twenty, going to be twenty one by mid season, having never played really any sort of organized minor league baseball outside of, you know, the AZL, which is kind of like almost like inter-squad scrimmages at times at that point. So there, there are going to be struggles. I, I'm with you. I think if he hits in that, you know, that 230, 240 range, if he can still have an OPS plus or, or way to run created plus around league average, and he's going to play a really good middle infield, that, the glove will play right now. And when he gets on, he's going to steal a lot of bags. And, you know, I, I'm not – like I said, as long as he's not striking out a ton and not walking, there's no reason why he shouldn't be the, you know, the two-hole you know, two hitter this whole year. I think he, he has the bat. He has the speed for it. I'm, I'm curious how the, the power will play in Coffin Stadium and how it will play against the best big league pitching day in, day out. And I'm not saying I don't, I don't think he's going to go out there and hit 25, 30 home runs. If he hits 15 – Shit, this kid, you know, we're, we're talking some really good stuff here. But I do think fans need to calm down a little bit on the hype until we see it at the big league level, if that makes sense. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to drink the I'm – I'm, I'll drink the Kool-Aid that he should be on the big league roster, but I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid that he's going to be, you know, all that in a bag of chips right away in the big leagues. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree too much of that. All right, Alex and I are going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with some over-under projections for the season for Kansas City. All right, Alex, so you have – you are the betting guru here between the two of us, and you have the – I think it's like the Bovada projections for like hits and average and home runs and stuff for some of the, the Royals roster here. And we're just going to go through that, and based on what we've seen so far in spring training, we're going to think about, you know, what – what we could see this season. Yeah, absolutely. I am fired up uh, about this little segment we're getting ready to do. So if you'll give me just a second, I'm pulling up. I've got uh, Bavada pulled up, and we're going to go through um, the Bavada page, and we're also going to go through uh, Zips on Fangraphs, Zips projections, uh, and talk about um, – because Bavada is only – I mean, it's an international – um, website. They don't have every little detail for every little player. Um, so we will go through their over-unders. We'll go through zips, and we'll talk about do we think they'll be better or worse than that. And then um, we'll go through, see if we can get through most of the lineup here. So the first player listed uh, for the Kansas City Royals in Bavada, they have Adalberto Mondesi, 
over under 40 actually before i tell you so you heard the 40 part but where would you set an over under how many stolen bases do you think Mondesi comes up with this year yeah i mean if it's in the 40s i you know i think for between 48 and 50 is completely reasonable this is well with, with the caveat of him staying healthy well so i'll add this to this then 2018 75 games 32 stolen bases 2019, 102 games, 43 stolen bases. 2020, 59 games, 24 stolen bases. Does that change your answer at all? Um, I still – just the running game is just not a huge part of baseball anymore. And even though you have guys like Witt and, and Modesty that can go on just about any pitch, I, I think – I'll go 55. I think that for over 162, I think that's perfectly reasonable. I'm not going to get on the Royals front office train here and try to convince the listeners Adalberto Mondesi is ever going to win an MVP. Like, I, he's just not. I just don't think that's realistic at this point in his career. However, I am going to jump on and say that the Bavada number of 44.5 stolen bases is way too low. Well, that's Here's my bold take for the 2021 MLB season. I think Adalberto Mondesi, you can write this down if you want. Adalberto Mondesi is going to be healthy all year, no DL stints, and I think he steals 60 bases. Uh, he absolutely I am going, can. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. I am going way over. I mean, by the way, if you're listening to this, Steamer and Zips typically project guys to be very conservative. This is like their 50th percentile outcome. Or actually, maybe Steamer posts 60 or 70 percentile outcome. I don't remember how they do that. Zips, I'm pretty sure, is like 50th percentile. But Steamer, the projections on fan graphs, project him for 54 stolen bases in 147 games. So I'm saying Adalberto Mondesi plays in 150 games. He'll get some days off here and there. 150 games. 60 stolen bases is my bold take this year. We have our first – actually, when was the last time somebody stole 60 bases? Has it been done in a while? I don't remember. I, I don't know, but I the guys that lead stolen bases now over 162 is like 40, maybe. So, yeah, he, he, if, he if he steals 60, he's going to blow everybody out of the water. That's my – I mean, that's my – that's my hope. I, even if Modesty – like, I don't think – again, I don't think he's going to hit for – you know, all, a whole bunch of home runs. I don't think he's going to hit 300. But it doesn't look like anybody's stolen that many bases since, I mean, at least 2017. I'm going back real quick. Twenty. It wasn't done in 2019. It wasn't done in 2018. Ah, D. Gordon, 2017. 60 stolen bases and Billy Hamilton, 59. So it's been a few years since anybody stole 60, but I think Mondesi gets it done this year. I absolutely can see that. All right, what's next? Andrew Benintendi, uh, season batting average over under 265. I'll take the over. I think I think the way that he hits that gap-to-gap power, he's going to hit a ton of doubles. And he'll, he'll obviously go bridge every now and then, but I think this park is going to play really well to his swing and his skill set at the plate. Where I, I bet he can hit somewhere in that 270 280 range. I agree. Here's a weird thing. Um, Andrew Benintendi is 
26 years old. I mean, by all accounts, he's about to enter his prime. Mm -hmm. As a rookie in 2016, he hit 295. And then in 2017, he hit 271, 290, 266 in 2019. And he didn't, he, 2019 was by most accounts his worst regular season in the big leagues. Now in 2020, he was hurt. He only played 14 games. But in terms of a full season, 2019 also missed some time on the DL. Um, but he hit 266. And so his over under at 265, I don't know if I'm missing something because I'm with you. I think the park plays to his advantage, but give me the over on Benintendi at 265. I think Benintendi hits something like 275 this year in Royal Blue. Um, over under on Benintendi home runs is 14 and a half. Benintendi in his career and at the, I'm sorry, at Fenway uh, hit 20, 16, and 13 home runs. Given that he's going to play 81 games at the K another 19 at Detroit. So that's 90 games and huge parks. Um, Minnesota's not, well, Minnesota's not bad. White Sox play in a Cracker Jack box. Um, give me, oh, the Indians play in a decent sized park. Give me the, I'll take the under on his home runs. I think he hits right at 13 or 14. Yeah, I, I think it'll be one of those kind of like, prime Alex Gordon seasons where he hits between 12 and 15, but has like 40 something doubles. Oh, agreed. 100%. I think he is going to hit a ton of doubles this year. I wouldn't be surprised if it's 50 doubles, that, which yeah. do they have a zips for that? They do. Zips has him at 28 doubles steamer at 26 L O L at that. I will take a flying over that. Unfortunately, that's not on Bavada. Bavada does not have doubles for Benintendi, but if 28 was on here, I would take the over in a heartbeat. Yeah. I don't know what these projections have against Benintendi, but I think he goes way over um, for the Royals this year. All right, Brad Keller, the worst stat in all of baseball, over under eight and a half wins. I, I hate that we're even acknowledging the fact that pitching wins <laughs> exist. It's on the list. The, the people can bet it, Joel. We got to give them our opinions. Um. Yeah, I'll go over. He's he's just so damn consistent. He had, he's been, you know, he struggled a little bit in nineteen in spots, but I think twenty twenty is a little more of where he's going to be. Not going to be a high strikeout guy, but just going to he's going to grind through, you know, five six innings a night. He'll be eligible and in line for wins here and there. I I you know I think ten plus is pretty reasonable. He won. Nine seven. He won five last year and nine starts. Um, every single projection system has him for nine ten, and Zips has him at eleven. So, and that's by the way, like Zips has him at eleven with a four four five ERA, which would be by far the worst of his career. Um, Steamer has him at nine wins with a four seven three ERA, which I would hope to hell not. And then. What uh, Fangraphs has him at ten with a four point six ERA. I'll take the over. I was I was leaning under, just on the chance that he's hurt. Like if he misses any time, like there's a good chance this goes under. If the Royals try to limit innings, there's a good chance this goes under. Um, but man, if they have if these guys have him at 10, 11 wins, nine wins at one hundred and sixty innings is what it looks like. Maybe I'll take the over on this. He's going to get his chances. The Royals are going to run him out there. I'll take the over. Eight and a half wins in for he and 
I'd probably do the same for Mike Miner, but I don't see Mike Miner on here. So, um, Carlos Santana, let's go. Um, I'm, we're not doing RBIs. I, we didn't pitch a win, so we're going to skip the RBIs. You. Um, Carlos Santana, this one's kind of funny. Over under 23 and a half home runs, Carlos Santana this year. I'll go the under. And I, I, this almost kind of feels like Ben Intendi in the same way, too. Like, I don't think the home runs are going to be there, but I think he's still going to hit a lot of doubles. He's going to get on base a lot. I, I don't know if he'll have enough balls to hit for home runs because he's going to walk 100 times. But so, I, I, think, I think like the 18 to 20 feels about right for Santana. 2016, he hit 34. 2017, 23. 2018, 24. 2019, 34. Last year, he hit eight. And he's on pace for under 23, right, right around 21. So, oh, man, that's difficult. Um, I guess part of that depends on where you think he's going to hit because I don't think he's going to he, – he, he may get pitches to hit if, you know, Solaire's hitting 40 home runs behind him. So, um. Ah oh, man, the better in me, the you know the if I, if I'm really being honest with myself, I'm probably leaning under, but I would not be surprised if the over hit either. So I I'm officially taking the under there. Um, I would stay away from that line though because that line at 23 and a half feels really really solid. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I, I I think Santana at this point in his career, I don't know if he's going to hit the home runs, but he's still such a solid hitter. He's still got a good swing. I think he's looked good this spring. And you know with, with his discipline, he's going to get on base a ton. So he's still going to provide a ton of value, even if it's not hitting balls you know, over the fence at Kaufman. Yeah. So here's one that I am going to plead to the public. If you're going to take a prop this year for the Royals, take the over 18-and-a-half home runs. Who do you think they have 18-and-a-half? Salvi? Nope. Wit? Nope. Please tell me it's not Jorge Soler. Uh-uh. Okay, I'm I'm drawing a blank here. Hunter Dozier. Hunter, Hunter Dozier. Dozier. Over. Okay. Over under 18 and a half. Hammer the over. 2019, the only time we've seen Hunter Dozier be any kind of healthy in the big leagues, he hit 26 home runs. Last year, he was pretty healthy, although he was dealing with COVID before the season started. Um, he hit six in 44 games. So if you times 44 by the four, roughly – you're still at 24 home runs, which it wouldn't be a full 24, so we'll call it 20. I mean, he's going to hit over 18 and a half, run to the bank, hammer the over. I'm sorry, Marley. Was I not petting you enough? I'm so sorry. Hammer the over on Hunter Dozier over 18 and a half home runs. He smoked the ball off Dallas Keuchel today. Yes, I he did. He hit that thing with top spin and almost went out. Yeah, I – I'm excited about Hunter Dozier this year. I don't know, I don't know that he's going to hit, you know, 30 home runs ever. Um, but I fully expect him to hit somewhere in the area, like we were talking about with Santana, 23 to 25 home runs. Yeah. Jorge Soler, what do you think they have the over under set at? Just, just 30, curious. 32, 31 and a half, baby. Very good. Well done. Jorge Soler, over under 31 and a half home runs, Joel. Yeah, if he stays healthy and plays a full 162 like he did in 19, give me the over. His, his hands look so much faster this year, which is wild. 
when he's hitting up and in fastballs out the way he is. Now, he's still going to strike out a lot and probably lead the league in strikeouts like he did in 2019. But if, when he's right, I mean, he's one of the best power hitters in the game. And I hope that he can stay healthy. He labored a ton through last season through those oblique injuries and bad injuries. But if he can stay healthy, man, I think he's going to hit 40 again. In the, the wise words of our late, great hero, Therese Paler, the contract year is undefeated, Joel. Yes, it is. Jorge Soler is 29 years old. He will not be 30 at any time during the season, which means he's going to enter the offseason as a 29-year-old free agent. Jorge Soler, way over 31 and a half home runs. Jorge Soler is going to hit 40 again. I don't think he hits 48. I think he borders the line of 40. I think he goes somewhere between like 38 and 40, 37 and 40. Regardless, he is going to go over that line of 31 and a half. Um, not super confident in that, but I'm pretty confident. He's going over 31 and a half home runs for Jorge Soler. Salvador Perez, take a wild guess what they got Salvi's line at. I think you'll be surprised. For home runs? Yep. 26 and a half? Oh, no, not, not, not quite that high. 23 and a half. 23? Which is an interesting number. Um, because I feel like I would probably take the under. And then I, I look in 2015, 21 home runs. 2016, 22. 2017, 27. 2018, 27. Last year he hit 11 and 37 games, which he always does better being in the year before his legs give out. So probably – on pace for his first 30 home run season, though. Um, I mean, shit, 11 home runs in 37 games. That's a lot more than 30, probably. Uh, I'm not very good at math. But, yeah, it's a lot more than 30. Um, so, 23 and a half feels right. Um, I hesitate to lean over. But, I mean, man, he just keeps trending in the direction of more than 23 and a half home runs. The Royals still don't have, like, a, a backup that's the future. Like, their backup is Cam Gallagher. He is going to be a career backup catcher. It's not like Melendez is going to be the backup where they want to get him more playing time. Um, if Soler gets hurt, maybe there's more opportunities for Perez to DH. So, I will hesitantly lean over Perez, but that's more of a numbers feeling than a gut feeling. My gut tells me under. The numbers tell me over. I'm going to go over for the same reason that you mentioned with Jorge Soler. It's a contract year for Salvador Perez. Now, do I think the Royals are going to let him walk? Absolutely not. And he doesn't want to walk. He wants to stay in Kansas City. But still a contract year. It wouldn't surprise me to see him hit 25-plus. I mean, he's, he's done it in the past. He didn't obviously did not play full season last year because nobody did. But he missed all of 2019 – and then played only 37 games in 2020. He's still going to be fresh. He's, you know, his legs are going to be at least with him for most of this season, we can hope. And he'll have his opportunities to DH. I think, I think this is going to be another big year for Salvador Perez. I forgot he was in a contract year. I mean, it seems a little, like you said, it seems a little disingenuous with that one because just because of who he is and just, I think he re-signs here, and it's a very good deal for both sides. And um, 
it's not like Solaire where Solaire could be looking at trying to get the bag. And I, so I get what you're saying. It is definitely a contract year for him. Um, but I hadn't considered that. So that is something to keep in mind as we, as we move forward this season as well. Wouldn't it, wouldn't be surprised if we get a, an extension for Salvi uh, before we head into the regular season. Um, Whit Merrifield career batting averages, 283, 288, 304, 302, and then down to 282 last year. Um, his over-under for batting average this year is at 285. That's a really good line. Um, it feels high. I lean under. But I also consider this. This will be the best team that Merrifield has been a part of in four years. Uh, the 2017 Royals didn't quite finish 500, if I remember did they finish 500? They were I don't want to slide them. They were 80 and 82 in back-to-back years. That's right. Okay, so they were basically a 500 team two years in a row. I think this is – I mean, this. I don't think. This is definitely going to be the best team he's played on since 2017. I think we see a revitalized with Merrifield this year. He's going to get more to hit with Benintendi hitting behind him and then guys like Montessi, Santana behind him. Um I think we see a revitalized wit. Like, I wouldn't be surprised at all. This is Witt's best offensive season if he approaches that 119 WRC plus he posted in 2018. Um, so, I really think there's a shot that he's really good this year, but I also think there's a shot he does all that while hitting, like, 280. Yeah, I, I, I see both sides just like you do. I'll lean over for the reason that you mentioned earlier. I think having a guy like Benintendi behind him, with, I mean, this is a really good lineup for the team that the Royals have constructed right now. And I will, I do think it'll be interesting. So we talked about Bobby Wood Jr. earlier. Do you see him, the, do you see them putting him like in a two hole spot or do they kind of try and bury him at the bottom of the lineup? <clears throat> oh, I think he goes like to the eight hole. Yeah, that's kind of, okay. Because I was like, if, if for some reason they decide to just go screw it and put him in the two spot, then. Witt's going to get nothing to hit, and he'll just get on base. His on-base percentage will be insane. But if Benintendi's there, he's going to get a lot to hit early on in the game, and he's a really good leadoff hitter. And you know he's going to steal bags. He's going to – I don't know how I feel about the power this year. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. But he's still going to hit for a high average. Dude just knows how to get on base. I, I, would, I bet he hits somewhere in that 290-300 range. You know what? You, screw it. You convinced me. I agree. I'm going over Whit Merrifield over 285. I am with you there. Um, stolen bases over under 25. Over. I bet. I bet he can get 30. He's. It's not. And he's obviously he's aging a little bit because he's what 32, 32 this year. He is 32. Yeah. So he's obviously, but he's super crafty. He's never been a, a crazy speed guy for his whole career, but he's super crafty. He knows what to do. He knows how to get a good jump. And I think that he's still going to be sneaky enough to get somewhere in that 30. I bet, I bet you he can get 30. So, so here's something, something interesting. <clears throat> 2017, 2018, 34, and 45 stolen bases. 2019, he played in all 162 games and only stole 20. And then last year, he only played in 60, obviously 60 games, and he stole 12. Like, what's with that 2019 season? Did he just not run a lot? Did he get caught a lot? Like, I, I, I don't, I don't know. know. 
most of the data suggests this is a good over. You know, we could we can count on what you get thirty. I wonder if they won't have him run less um, with a better lineup behind him. Um, I lean under here only because I'm getting the hook. I'm getting twenty five and a half, so he could steal twenty five bases and I still win that bet. And twenty feels twenty five feels like a really good number for Witt this year. Yeah, I'm gonna I, go under. I, I can see it there. I'm gonna go under. Okay, uh, I'm still gonna go over. Like I said, I, I think we're gonna see a revitalized Wit with that. I think I think he, this is gonna be his best offensive season. I'll call that. I could see that. So you're banking on getting to a 120 WRC plus. Which... I, I could see him getting above 120. I think just having the protection behind him that he will with Benintendi and Perez and Santana and Soler, he's going to see a lot more pitches in the zone. He's going to be able to drive the ball. Now, I'm not sure it's going to be a ton of power. I bet he can still get up to 15 home runs. But like Benintendi, I think he's going to hit a lot of doubles. And that's still going to create offensive value for WRC plus and go from there. I could see it. I'm trying to find more pitcher stuff because we didn't. We only talked about Keller for wins. Um, where is the where are the pitcher zips? Oh, my bad. Here it is. All right, let's talk. Um, let's talk pitchers. I am going to give you a pitcher. You tell me what you think his ERA is this year, and then we'll go from the projections from there. Okay, sounds good. Mike Miner. I'll go like three, three eight. Zips has him at four two four. Um, la- we're not going to talk about last year. Twenty nineteen, he had a three five nine ERA. Twenty eighteen, four one eight, and then twenty seventeen was his first year back with the Royals. He was in the bullpen. So his two years as a starter in Texas. He went four one eight three five nine, and then last year, like his ex-fip was four five, um, for the uh, for the Texas Rangers. Oh, he got traded to the Oakland A's too, didn't he? Yes, he did. He still and he posted one. Of, he posted his best case K per nine as a starter, or since he started starting again and last year. So I'm gonna go under. I'm gonna go under four two four as well. I think he ends up in that three nine maybe really low four range. And correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if I'm thinking about him or somebody else, but hasn't his velo seen a little bit of an uptick from last year? Yep. I, yeah, so that, that was part of the reason why I was thinking maybe it's going to be – he's going to go in that sub four. And to be, you know, the two or three starter for this team with the sub four, and I think playing in a, the, a bigger ballpark is also going to help him like it did when he was kind of revitalizing his career as a reliever for the and especially if they deaden the ball like they say they're going to. Which I think is going to help a guy like Brad Keller even more than he already does because he just he, – he doesn't give up fly balls. Which, speaking of Brad Keller, they've got his uh, – Zips has his ERA at 4.45 this year, which is laughable. I'm that assuming is, we're all going under there. Way under. I, th- I think he can get down to like a 3.5. I think he can go full run under, honestly. Which is funny because Chris Bubich's ERA is on Zips. His projected ERA from Zips is four five one. Now, Chris Bubich, I don't remember being this good last year. Four three two ERA in fifty innings pitched. Um, K's per nine were almost nine. He walked almost four per nine and gave up 
almost a, a home run and a half per nine. Um, what do you think? Chris Bubich, ERA at 4 5 1. Remember, I'll we're go, talking about a full season here. I'll go under, but I still think it's going to be above four. I think it'll probably be probably in that 4 2 4 3 range still. Uh, I really like Bubich. I think he, he's got some good stuff. He, he's shown flashes of, of what he can be this spring. I think the changeup is obviously really, really good. But I just don't think it's all there for him quite yet. I'll still stick around that 4-3 range. But I still think it's under 4-5. I don't think it's going to be that bad. I think the dead and ball does wonders for him. I think it will if – if he can keep the ball in the yard just a little more. Like, he doesn't get hit a ton. Like, I don't remember his – I mean, I guess I could go look before I say this. It just – I don't feel – like last year, his batting average against was super high. It was 263. It was a little high. So he got hit a little bit. But I mean, his Babbitt was 312. Like he was hit a little bit, but doesn't like that doesn't seem like that's his problem. Like when I think of Chris Bubich, I don't think about his inability to get guys out and develop weak contact. He just gives up too many home runs. He misses too much. Dead ball, another year in the big leagues. I'm going to go under there as well, but I don't think it's much under. I think he's a 4-4 guy this year, maybe even 4-5-0. Um, but I don't think it's 4-5. Like, we're splitting hairs here. Yeah. But if you're going to give me 4-5-0, I'll go under. But I could see a little bit of a sophomore slump from him where his, you know, his ERA rises a little bit to like maybe 4-6, 4-7. And then he makes some adjustments this offseason and really comes back strong um, uh, next year. Brady Singer, Zips has his ERA at 4.68. What say you? 4.68? Oh, that's a little steeper than I thought it was. Because Steamer has him 4.40, which I think feels a little more right. But I don't know. I have a hard time thinking that he's going to be a 4.4 guy. I don't know. His ERA last year in 12 starts was 4.06. Yeah, his FIP was four oh eight, and his ex-FIP FIP was four oh five. He literally pitched to exactly what every advanced metric said he was going to pitch at. Does his Sierra? Can I find that real quick on here? Uh, Sierra was four two nine, so Sierra thought he was a little worse than every everything else. But so what's going to be interesting for Brady Singer? And I, I may have just been seeing stuff funny. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I was seeing this right or if. It, you know, or what, but when he was pitching against the Dodgers the other night, it didn't look like he was throwing that crazy, that two seam with crazy arm side run. It looked like it was a true four seam fastball that he looked like he was spinning pretty well. Uh, I, which obviously I don't have the data, so it's based off of just feel and just kind of the eye test, but I'll be curious if he mixes in that four seam with the that two seam for upside run to get ground balls, you know, later, you know, when he has runners on base and really needs that ground ball. So I'll be curious where if that develops for him, if that's what he's doing, or I was just not watching the game as closely as I thought I was. But something didn't look like I was ready to see that just that fastball that just explodes through the zone, you know, running right in on the on the hands of a right-handed hitter, and I just didn't see it. So I don't know if maybe he was working on a different grip or the ball just wasn't running for him that night or what, but I'll be interested to see what he does in his next outing if that's really what he's trying to do is maybe work in more of a four-seam rather than that two-seam fastball that, you know, that made him really successful. Yeah, I didn't notice that. We were talking about that 
you know, before we started recording, I didn't notice that too much. One thing I worry about with Singer this year, his he threw 147 innings 2019. He threw 64 innings last year. Like, how many innings do they throw him this year? Like, does he get to 160? Does he get to 180? Like, I don't, like, I don't I know. Like, how many? 160 sounds about right. So with him, then, like, do you shut him down midway through the year? Do you, like, Chris Paddock him, or you shut him down in the middle of the year, then bring him back? Does that disrupt his timing? I'm pretty sure he goes under four six eight in any scenario. I'm not worried about Brady Singer. I am kind of interested to see how they handle all that, but I'm not worried about him. Yeah, I'm not too worried about him. He's He's got great pitchability. Like, the stuff is there. It's just a matter of putting it all together for him. And, you know, I, I really like him as a, a middle-of-the-rotation guy for this team moving forward, not just this year but beyond. I think he's he's going to be just a model of consistency around that 3-5-4 to four that you knows and can go out and get you six innings and is going to just grind through it and just go and just shove. And he that's kind of what we saw at times last year. 100%. So the last guy that I want to talk about, and we can talk about some other guys if you want. Um, last guy we got to talk about, we got to, um, Danny Duffy. Zips has his ERA this year, 4.89. And before you answer that, last year, 4.95. 2019, 434. 2018, 488. Do you think Duffy can keep his ERA under five this year? Part of me wants to say yes because I love Danny Duffy. But in reality, I just I don't see it anymore. And it sucks because I think this is his last year on contract as well. But I I think it's gonna be over and probably it'll end up being a move to the bullpen at some point which I think is going to be better for him at this point in his career. Now you're I, catching I, on. I, I don't see him – I don't see him keeping keeping under – or, uh, like, under five. I, I think he'll be over five. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to cheat because I can. This was not phrased into the question. He is going to be way under 498. And if, for the reason you said, he's going to make about eight starts at the beginning of the year. He's going to start through May. His ERA is going to be 499-501. They're going to move him to the bullpen to bring up Daniel Lynch or Jackson Coar, and he is going to post a 0.9 ERA for the rest of the season. Danny Duffy keeps his ERA under 498 by a mile and becomes a dominant late-inning bullpen guy for the Royals. He gets a new contract, maybe not with the Royals or somebody else. Maybe he Mike Miners it somewhere. Um, but Danny Duffy, by by beginning of June, is going to be a dominant weapon for the Royals out of the bullpen. I, I really so, do, I do like Danny Duffy out of the bullpen. I think that's going to be really nice. When Daniel Lynch is ready to come up or Jackson Coar, whoever they decide, uh, that could be a really nice role for him moving forward. Was that 2014 when he started out in the bullpen and they moved him to rotation later? That was – I think that was that was 16. That's right. They put him in there to begin the year because he had what, hadn't been great. That's right. I remember that. And then he came back into the, bull, or to the rotation and just shoved. I will say this. If the Royals can get 2017 Duffy, where he made 24 starts, 3.81 ERA, they're going to be really good this year. 
I yeah. really believe that. I really, really believe that. Um, and, you know, the difference was that year he kept the ball in the park, 0.8 home runs per nine. His career average is over one. Um, so dead and ball, maybe he keeps the ball in the park. Maybe he makes an adjustment somewhere, but he's the wild card. He is the key to this team reaching the playoffs. The only way this team can reach the playoffs is with a really good Danny Duffy. Like they just don't have the horses to get there without that. So um, unless you think Daniel Lynch is coming up and giving you that out of, you know, the minors, which I think Daniel Lynch will be good eventually, but I don't think, you know, he's there yet. Um, I, Danny Duffy's the key to all this working. So um, I don't see it. I think he ends up being a dominant late inning guy out of the bullpen. But if he is that good starter like he was in 2017, he unlocks a lot of possibilities for this Royals team. Absolutely. So you mentioned Daniel Lynch. So I'll go to him real quick. I Obviously, there's no steamer zips projections for him. But let's go. But yeah, there is. Is there really? Yeah. His ERA is five two nine, and they're giving him sixteen starts. Okay, that's zips. Okay. Which, by mean? the way, I think if they bring up Daniel Lynch, he's going to be better than a five two nine. That's, uh, that's kind of what I was going to get at. So they yeah, most of this is statistically bad, and he just hasn't been around enough. Yeah, so zips has him projected for sixty nine innings, roughly. Nice. Um, nice. Over under that. That's, a, that's actually a good question. And do I think he gets to 70 innings? Let's see. That would be – oh, man. If he, threw, if he made 12 starts and threw six innings a start, it would be 72. It means he's probably got to make all 16 starts to get there. Half a season's worth. Oh, and the problem is they put him in the bullpen – he ain't going to get there. That's a really good question, man. Over, under. Oh, that's just such a good question. Um, I will go over 70 innings for Lynch only because I think he's the first guy into the rotation if something goes awry. Um, I don't like that answer. I really think it's under because I think he comes – no, no, I'm going over. I'm going over. I don't know what's happening, but Daniel Lynch is getting 75, 80 innings in the big leagues this year. Yeah. Final I, answer. I think Daniel Lynch is going to be up in the big leagues before we think he will, if that makes sense. The problem is, man, now I'm going back to this. Like, who's who comes out of the rotation so that he can go in? Like, you're banking on an injury, I think. Or, I mean – I guess it's Duffy. We just talked about it's, that. It's Duffy, yeah. That, it's that's Duffy, what okay. I think. All right. Yeah. All right. We just talked I, about that. Yeah, I okay, bet, I'm in. I bet, I bet Daniel Lynch is in the big league rotation by May. Yeah, I just said June 1st. So, okay, that's 70 innings. I'm, I'm in. Yeah, that's, the, let's go over. Send him to the alternate site, and then middle of May, call him up, and let's go. Well, and, so now that you say that, they could send him to – so the alternate site's going to be at double A. So as soon as they break camp, they can send him to Arkansas. When the season opens May 4th, he can make four starts, and he could be in the big leagues by the beginning of June if Duffy's not working out. Yeah, I, I think that's a very likely scenario as well. Hmm, there you go. We solved it. Boom, there it is. Over 70 innings. I love it. 
All right. And then I'll, let's see what they have for Coar just because I'm curious. Yep. If not, I'll make something up. They actually have a lot of innings for Coar. They are, Zips has him at 130. I'm going to go way under. I'm going to go like incredibly under on that because I yeah. feel he's going to be a bullpen guy if he comes up. So, I, 100%. I'll, I'll, so I'll, I'll couch it this way because I don't feel like I said, I, he, he's going to start a few games, I think. But unless there's an injury, I think he's going to be a late-inning reliever. Agreed. We'll go yeah, over, I think this year specifically he's in the bullpen. Yes. Over under 15 and a half appearances. Oh, over. Especially if we were talking about starts, I would say under. But like we just said, being in the bullpen, I think he's up and he could be up before Lynch in that regard. Yeah, if, if that's the case, absolutely. Uh, my God, that fastball change out of the bullpen. Whew, whew. Yeah, that is, it's going to be like Fern, Fernando Rodney type stuff. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you have any other pressing ones or any other final thoughts here? I do. I have a final thought, but I want to make sure we wrap up what we're talking about that's relevant now. Um, shout out Grant Gavin. He's on here. He's, he's got Zips projections now. They've got him at, wow, 51 innings, 42 appearances. Love you, Grant. I don't know if we're getting to 51 innings this year, but wouldn't be surprised if we saw Grant in the big leagues at some time. Um, hashtag roll stable. Yeah. Anyway, so, go ahead. Oh, no, you're good. You're good. I mean, they've got him throwing more innings than Love Lady, which is interesting, but okay. I just don't. I, I, I don't see, know how I these see works. Our, I, I want to see our boy Richard Love Lady succeed this year, man. I need it. Yeah, I agree. I think I think if, if there's ever going to be a year they give him a shot, it would be this year. It's got to be. All right, so I'm going to wrap up. Um, more, oh, that's my dog. She is attacking her alligator. Um, I want to send a big shout out, and I'm trying to find the tweet so I don't mess anything up. Um, well, hang on. He just said he would – hang on just a second. Pat, I'm trying to get you on here. Is he not – he's not in the lobby, is he? No. Nah. Okay. So our founding father – I'm reading the tweet. I just want to make sure I – Read this correctly because I don't know exactly what he's going to be doing yet. Or I don't know if it's public or not. Um, so Patrick Brennan, our founding father, the guy who started this whole thing almost four years ago now, he says, some personal news. I am excited to announce that I've accepted a position with the Cincinnati Reds. I can't wait to spend the summer in Chattanooga. That is where the Reds AA affiliate is. Um, I just couldn't be happier for Patrick. I know we have um, – Oh, he's coming on. I think he just said he's coming on. So check the lobby as we're sitting here talking about Pat and his, um, <laughs> as we're sitting here talking about his new gig with Cincinnati Reds, I think he's going to come on and join us to talk about his new job. So um, let's see if he joins in. I sent him the Zoom link. I am sitting on the edge of my seat just as much as you guys are listening. At the moment, so this is fantastic radio. As we're just sitting here waiting to see if he actually pops on. There he is. All right, he is in the Zoom call. Pat Patrick, what's up? 
Can you hear us? Yep. You're live in front of a studio audience, Pat. By that, I mean a bunch of listeners that are listening to this like on Friday afternoon. <laughs> it was live. Yeah, it's live. Well, no, it's not live. That's a lie. He's recording. But, dude, um, what can you tell us, man? About we, I literally was just sitting here telling everybody uh, how happy and how proud I was of your new gig. Um, what can you tell us, Pat? What's, what's your new gig going to consist of there in Chattanooga? So, yeah, um, basically, I'll be going to their double-A site. And, um, as you said, Chattanooga. So, that's the lookouts. Um, I'll just be running all their baseball tech there. So, operating track, man. Um, wraps are all that. And then I'll just be uh, assisting with the analytics and stuff. That's awesome, awesome, man. So, yeah, we essentially are... what you're doing with K-State right now. Oh, uh, yeah, very similar. Um, almost the same, just a exact transfer. Yeah, uh, and that is with the Big League Club, and you're probably getting paid slightly better. So, you know, the, all, all good things in that regard. Uh-huh. But, no, we're, we're yeah. super happy for you, man. This is this was so cool when you told us about it the other day. Uh, we're, we're super happy for you. We knew that this was a, a long-time goal for you. So to, to finally see that happen for you is, is incredibly awesome, man. We're so happy for you. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm pretty pumped. Um, knew I was going to, for a few years, I was at least going to be attempting to do something like this. Um, so pretty excited to hear. Won't get too much specifics, but I know the, um, you know, you had, you were at least, thought you had a gig lined up um, somewhere else before COVID hit. And I know, you know, the, the pandemic killed a lot of people's goals of working in baseball, specifically just last year when, you know, everybody was, was shutting down and cutting staff. So, um, man, I know you're excited to finally be getting a chance to get into it. We couldn't be happier for you. Um, and I'm super happy, super proud of you, super excited. I was – we talked earlier today. We were talking about the, the creation of the site. You were the managing editor for Kings of Kaufman. Uh, uh-huh. Brought me on to write for you, and then we kind of made a move to Royals Review. Now over here at the site, um, the the growth we've seen. Did you think when we? I mean, when you started the account, and then I think we were talking today. It was like you know maybe four or five days after you had started everything that you let me come on and help out. Did you ever think that we'd have? I think we almost got nine thousand Twitter followers. We Shoot, we make money on this thing now. We, we sell advertisements to the people. Well, uh, yeah, that was the goal, but did I think that? Um, no, honestly, I thought that was going to – it was going to be – when I started it, I thought, okay, deep down I really want to grow this thing and I'm going to attempt to. So in reality, probably this thing is going to flame out in a few weeks, months, whatever. Uh, so really, it's been almost what four years now, and that's insane. Um, yeah, we're coming up on like, four this June. Does not feel like four years. Um, so yeah, I'm ecstatic, and obviously, I still pay attention to everything going on with it. And well, you better. <laughs> well, I mean, I really the podcast I've been listening to lately. Um, that's my favorite part of the site now. Um, you do a great job. It's really. 
Pumped it. It's made this far. I roll it. It's only up from here, man. We're we're gonna keep growing this thing. We'll, we'll see where it goes. But I mean, you're the OG of this thing, and now you're working for a big league team. That's that's got to be a cool feeling. That's awesome, man. Yep. And uh, like I said, um, I'll be continuing to watch uh, no matter where I am. I'll be following along. Yeah. You do great work. Appreciate it, man. And then again, we, yeah, I was, I was thinking about it today, just how far everything's come. And like you said, it doesn't feel like it's been four years. The, the group chat we've had open, it's been most of the same guys, if not from day one, from, the, from really early on. Um, you know, Drew Osborne's been with us for a long time. Joel's been with us for a while now. He runs our podcast, obviously. The Drake's been with us um, doing a lot of prep work, uh, you know, prep, amateur um, prospect work for us um josh payton came along and added a lot of valuable experience to the site it's just been a lot of fun to see you know some of the faces that have come in and out um and and building a camaraderie with you know some folks some of us can't ever get you in the public so we've never met but um you know joel and i have you know been to games together gone and gotten lunch and stuff he's moving to kansas city now so hopefully you know the, the, I mean, the bonds and everything we've, we've gone through, and everything we've learned from each other, I hope is, um, you know, it's something I'll never forget. So, man, I appreciate you. Couldn't be happier for you. Couldn't be prouder of you. Um, good luck this summer, man. Yeah, thank you. Really appreciate it. Um, can't wait to get started. Absolutely. Right, well, well, don't forget Joel, you got to ask him the question. He's a guest on the show. He is a guest on the show now. That's oh, right. My God. Don't forget about <laughs> us when you're working in a big league front office in a couple of years. Especially me, because I really want to work in baseball. <laughs> <laughs> but the last the question we ask every guest on this show, if you could go back and watch one moment, you were live in person in baseball history, what is it? I'll start off by saying that every time I listen to you guys, is podcast when I'm driving and just working uh you guys here obviously hear you ask these questions all the time and I always I've thought of them in my head um and I've circled through a couple different answers but um so any moment in baseball history uh I'd probably have to side with oh there's two uh the pine tar game is one um, I think you guys have gotten that answer before. And then probably uh, Joe Carter's home run. Ooh, um, that's a new one. Game six of the, what was 92-93 World Series? Yeah, game seven of 93, yeah. So, uh, yeah, one of those two. Um, obviously two of the most famous moments in baseball history. Um, I, I think the Pine Tar game would be fascinating – especially if you're sitting like in the upper deck and you have no idea what's going on. And then George Brett just flies out of the dugout. Like if you were up close and knew what was going on, that's one thing, but I would want to be there, but sitting like in the nosebleeds and have no idea why George Brett wants to go and kill an umpire. Oh yeah. yeah, Being there would be insane. Just even watching on TV uh, would be pretty insane because I, any of my relatives that were alive back then, um, it seems like everyone in Kansas city, remembers watching that moment um and just uh 
whole story that went on after it. Um, I've heard that story, from, I know, from my dad. Um, one of the earliest baseball stories I can remember hearing from him. Um, so I think that'd be pretty cool to see. Absolutely. All right, man, we don't want to keep you for too long. We want to at least get you on, showcase what you're going to do, and you're going to go and do big things for the Reds. We're, we're super excited for you, and we know it's only up from here for you, man. Yeah, thanks, Joel. Uh, thanks, Alex. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, Ryan, you too. Um, I'll keep listening. Absolutely. Hey, are you going to be in Stillwater for the, the K-State series in a couple of weeks? So, um, I do not travel with the team, um, but – uh, I do if they plant still waters close. So I know I'm going to like Wichita next week. Gotcha. Um, so probably too early to say. Um, well, let me know because I'll be at least one of those games. Yep. yep. All right, bud. Take care. You too. Love you, Pat. All right. That well, that was, was a great little impromptu <laughs> interview there. <laughs> I hope that everyone listening isn't incredibly confused, and if you are. I mean, you've made it this far in the show, so thank you very much for that. Uh, and by the way, if you've made it this far in the show and don't know who Pat is anyway, then um, you go back and do a little Royals Farm history. And in all seriousness, Pat, um, you know, started our Twitter account, started the website in June of 2017. Um, I Pat was my editor at Kings of Kaufman, so I joined shortly thereafter. Just you know, I was young, I was still trying to get involved in writing. I didn't, I was kind of new. I I never really done it before. Um, and Grant Gavin, the he pitches for the Royals, um, been in Double A last year, um, was my roommate in college. And so Grant getting into minor league baseball with the Royals, I had really just started taking a dive into the the analytics of baseball prospects, and um, and and really as a former player, starting to understand it myself a little better. Um, so you know, I joined Pat, and then I mean. It took us – We, I, I can remember those first that first year of, of developing this thing and all the work that Pat put in tirelessly to, to teach me about the analytics of baseball and, you know, everything he knew. And everything, by the way, he was teaching himself was, was incredible. And, I mean, there's nobody who's worked harder for this gig than Pat. So, couldn't be more excited for him. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what he's going to be able to do for the Reds. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I – I, brought, I came on, I believe, after year one. I started following the site right away because I've always been fascinated with minor league baseball and prospects and stuff like that. And it was a great way to, to follow the Royals, and this was really when the kind of the, the prospect wave was really beginning because the farm system was so bad for so long uh, after the, the core that won the World Series came through. And I just started DMing you guys and talking through, like, hey, this is what – I really want to do. I really want to get into scouting. I want to talk baseball and do all this. And I had a little bit of podcasting experience. You guys were like, cool, come on and do this. And here we are, you know, almost three years later since I've been on and we're really on a roll with this thing now. And I can't wait to see what the future of the site holds. I, I mean, it's only going up from here for us. You know, we can't thank everybody enough for that follows the work we do listening to this thing, reading the site, interacting with us on Twitter and following along with, with all of this, it really does mean a lot to us. It's not its not just empty air for us when we say that. It does mean a lot because you guys are the reason why we continue to do this. Yeah, and, and I wasn't, wasn't, you know, just blowing smoke there. The, you know, the relationships we've built, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of funny to look back on and, and, and you think about, like, the butterfly effect. But if Pat didn't start that Twitter account, like, you know, I, I probably don't have the, 
the wherewithal, the know-how to get all that started. And, you know, we're probably not sitting here talking to each other right now, much less excited about your yeah. move up here to Kansas City. So um, the relationships that you build um, through baseball and through social media, um, you know, Pat opened those doors for, for us um, in, in one way or another. So um, can't thank him enough for everything he's done for me. And, again, I'm just really excited to see what else he can do for – for baseball and for the Reds specifically moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. That, that guy's going to do some big things in baseball here in the near future, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, big, you know, broader, do you have any broader final thoughts here, spring training, Royals, anything else? I think we covered pretty much everything on my mind at the moment. Yeah, but I, I think I'm with you as well. We will talk to you guys next week and – Hopefully it's not going to be all Bobby Wood Jr., but there's a very good chance it also might be. So we will talk to you guys later. Enjoy March Madness. Enjoy spring training, whatever it is that you do in your free time. Thank you again for listening. Y'all take care.